Hey, everybody listening to Indie Corner Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody. I've got an awesome guest here. We got Matthew Mark Hunter here. How you doing, Matthew? Good. How are you? I, I always get like when somebody has two names next to each other that both have in the same, you know, start. Sometimes my brain goes with the other name first. So it's like Mark Matthew. Have you uh, ever been yeah. called that by some chance? It, people usually say Mark sometimes. And Mark, uh, so you're just like, that's not yeah. my name. Yeah. You know, and Matt, I, I could understand. Uh, do you get Matt or do you just get Matthew? I do get Matt a lot, but sometimes I just tell people to go with Matthew. But even after that, everyone still calls me Matt on sets and stuff. Is it? Just, I mean, I guess it's just shorter because people call me John from time to time. But I mean, you know, yeah, I, I usually go by Matthew because my dad goes by Matt. We have the same name. I'm a junior. So I just try to go for Matthew and he's always Matt. So did you not put the junior on there because he's not a filmmaker? So won't get um, confused. I just didn't put junior because it was just easier to say MMH Productions. Yeah, um, MMH Junior Productions. We did MMH Junior when we did like our kids show. I just threw the junior on for that part. That's actually um, kind of cute. Yeah, but he's he's been in, he's acted in some stuff in the past. But yeah. Yeah, that's well, cool. Your MMH, which one are you? MMH one or two? MMH, and then on IMDb, he's just uh, Matthew Mark Hunter Senior. So oh, that's wow. the only difference. Okay, cool. Well, uh, so did he get you into this, or did you get him into this? Um, I got into like horror films at a young age. Um, both my parents um, let me watch films when I was like. Four or five. Four or five? Whatever. Yeah, they would just put on whatever, and I'd just sit there and watch it. Like, if I was scared, they'd put on, like, the um, bonus features first. Like, for example, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, for an example. Um, they would put on, like, the bonus features and show, like, Robert Englund getting on the makeup. And then that would just show me that everything's fake and stuff. And then after that, it's just everything horror film-wise. I was just into all of it. And then the filming part, in seventh grade, my teacher had us like write a story and we got bonus points if we actually filmed the film and I was the only one in the class to do it. And then since that happened with the horror nonstop, they just came together at a young age. So you just started making movies from there, like shorts and, and whatnot. Yeah. When, when did you make your first feature? Uh, first feature was I was in high school at 17 uh, and it was in the summer of 2017 and then that also is the f- my first feature and like my second real film under mmh is the film that uh made us an award-winning filmmaker and company cool so now you can say i'm an award-winning filmmaker no matter <laughs> yeah. no, matter, no matter what um so that's really cool i love that um so you, okay i'm always am curious about this like um, I mean, how are your friends? Did your friends really enjoy just coming and being part of it? Or did they, a lot of them just like not want anything to do with the film stuff? Um, Overall, like during, for sure, junior and senior year, I had a select group of people. Um, and a lot of the earlier stuff on YouTube around like 2016 to 2018 or like even 2019, it's a lot of the same casts a lot of the time. I mean, that's just a group of us who used to get together and film stuff Uh, like in the summer. We would get together and every weekend we'd shoot a film, edit it um, within the same weekend. 
Um, we just used a little camcorder. We didn't go full production, no lights, no audio, just camera, audio and things like that. And it was the same group of people nonstop coming back and forth. I got some other friends from school who were like in one or two projects at the most. Um, and then we started branching out and getting other people in the area coming into us. And we still use the same people who we've had in the past in most projects. But every project we do get like one or two new faces involved nowadays, just so we can keep getting more people involved with the company. That's cool. I like that. So, all right. So you basically, you got, because I see this with like indie filmmakers, a lot of them, um, especially ones that are kind of guerrilla do it yourself. Um, I'm going to pick up a camera and go make a movie with my friends. Um, they'll have like their core group of friends. And then after a while, those friends will move on. You know, usually it's a job or other stuff. They just don't have time to, to, to do the film stuff. Then you get the other, you know, a new group of friends who are, you know, down with that. Then, you know, it keeps changing. And I love that, you know, because then you don't just see the same people and everything. You're going to see different people come and go. Yeah, we, the main uh, group of us, uh, there was a big issue that happened in 2020. And my original group, we all, I just, everyone just dispersed and I didn't hear from anyone. Still haven't really heard from anyone, but uh, two people who still, well, one person who still appears in a lot of things here and there because I'm also the godparent to their child. So me and him stay close to this day. Um, but the original group, besides him, really, I haven't heard from too much about them. And like um, during 2020, I got like a few different people in the era who have still been involved with the productions the last four years. Um, and that group already film wise has been a lot um, sturdier in doing everything because they also do stuff on other projects. So there's more like into the film idea. Right. Um, but like even like the original MMH group. I mean, there's just a place for it because of all like the memories and the ones that helped me that started the company get off the ground basically too. Yeah, that's great. So you do a thing that I sort of did when I first started out because I started out when I was, uh, I want to say I was 20 and I got my first like, or 19, I was 19 when I got my first camera and I started making these little short films, you know, or whatever. And because uh, I had, one of those big ass cameras, but you know, <laughs> then I had to get like a mini DV. I don't know if you know what that is. If you're, I don't know if you made movies with those, but they're like just this little digital camera. And uh, I started making little movies and I did the same thing you did. Cause I watched, you know, I rewatched uh, I'd seen before, but I rewatched uh, Judy and the inflatable doll. And, you know, you have that scene with you and uh, Judy at the park and everything. And I made a whole short film back in the day with my uh uh my pet monster doll that i've had since forever where it's like my pet monster's lovely day at the park and then at the end you find out it's my pet monster's dream was the whole time was that he had that day but he never i guess he never did i don't know it was just so stupid and this dude literally found a bunch i don't know he captured a bunch of my short films i used to have i don't even know where they are like I like I put them online and then I can't get back into that YouTube account. So I lost like a ton of my old stuff, but he found a bunch of them 
and I'm a little embarrassed, <laughs> you know, because because yours is a little bit more well done, you know, as far as like it looks better, you know, shot and stuff. Mine was like really crappy, and the dude's a fan of my pet monster stuff, you know, and he actually created a whole Instagram account called Moody and Monster, which I don't recommend people finding, but now people probably might go go look for it. So it might help that guy out, I guess. They're like a little embarrassing, you know. Do you ever find like I mean, I guess you obviously love that stuff, right? You love doing stuff with like dolls and pu puppets and stuff like that. Um, well, the first part is I'll say is that we also did a My Pet Monster horror film too, using two of our pet, two of my pet monsters. Nice. Um, and they came to life basically. Like, dude, you're you and me are syncing up right there. That's awesome. <laughs> I think we did that like one or two Christmases ago. I um, have to go check that out now. It's yeah, that on one's YouTube, on, right? Yeah, that one's on YouTube. Nice. It's just my pet monster. Um, but yeah, like Judy, like a lot of this, like when I do stuff in like public like that, I really don't uh, care what people, because I know when we did like Easter Massacre, we had like a giant bunny suit like killing people on the side of the road and it was uh, the corner house on the actual main road where we used to film at. So every all, all the cars going by would see what we're doing and like blood splatter and things like that. And even on my house, when we did like the uh, croutons film, my neighbors were out their house and their kids were outside and they just saw me getting attacked by like croutons and blood squirting out of the mouth and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so in doing stuff in like guerrilla style in public, I really I don't care what people might think. Um, we've shot at like Marks without them knowing. We shot at like, Pet Supplies Plus without them knowing. We shot at a bowling alley, um, and surprisingly, the bowling alley shared the video, the YouTube link on their Facebook page. We were not expecting. Oh, so they were um, happy but, with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they shared it, so that was something. It was sweet, but a lot of those ones we actually, uh, it's for like the bowling alley one. We for, uh, we used a VHS camcorder that takes like tape and you got to export the VH, uh, the footage of DVD, then put on the computer. Um, so a lot of the times back in the day, we'd just bring a little, our, a little digital camcorder also, and just use that to shoot. Cause we could hide it better. Mm -hmm. And then even like now I have uh, like sunglasses and the sunglasses actually have a video camera in the middle. So I can get even more secretive now, gorilla style and just have someone wear the sunglasses and it records what's going on in the uh, location even easier to get away with guerrilla filmmaking. But I mean, I brought in a lot of things to life. Like YouTube is more for like our shorts and our like fun films, like uh, comedy horrors, crazy stuff. Um, and then we have a whole other selection of movies that are only for on DVD. Uh, they're on streaming services and like uh, film festivals. And I take those like conventions and a lot of those DVDs aren't on YouTube because they're a lot. They're mostly like the budget films that I've spent money on making. So I have like two different sets of films, but most people know me more for like the comedy part of it. Um, right. But yeah, we've done like croutons, washing machine, elliptical, blender, toaster, uh, cars, a bunch of random stuff coming to life, uh, marshmallows. And like our new ones, the air fryer coming to life. So it's just a whole other thing. And even yeah, puppets... I'm excited for the air fryer. Like, I, I can't wait to see what you guys do with that. 
Oh, that one's it's gonna be good. I mean, overall, it's strictly comedy horror. It's a lot more comedy than horror. The main horror elements are gonna be like the kills and the blood. Um, just because it's gonna be a very goofy film, but the kills and blood are really extreme and over the top uh practical effects. Um, just so we can stick with the bloody horror with an 80s twist. Even mm -hmm. for that feature film, we're actually shooting our first feature with the VHS camcorder. Nice. Uh, so it's going to be a lot more of a pain transporting and editing on VCR than going on the computer to finish the edited. Um, but it's still going to be fun. And I know the Indiegogo is still up, but we're already going to be shooting the next three weekends in a row. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um. So you said earlier that... Uh, like Nightmare on Elm Street was like one of the first kind of things you would see or whatever as a kid. Uh, did that like, like did the comedy horror inspire you as a filmmaker? Um, the first film I can fully remember watching horror wise is Freddy vs. Jason. Um, and then even at like, I think I was like seven or eight watching that. And I would go to school and tell other people how everyone died in what order. <laughs> and I would just watch it that one a lot so like I just go to school and tell kids like the order of how everyone died and how and no one else in that age range understood or was able to like watch that kind of stuff so getting in trouble a little bit talking about that kind of stuff but uh, The Willies um, 1990 The Willies is the main film that actually inspired me to do like filmmaking oh. um, and that I've referenced the Willies in a bunch of different uh, films of mine. We actually took the poster and redesigned it for a film. Um, I've taken a few lines from different scenes of the Willies and incorporated them into our projects. But dude, um, I keep forgetting Donkey Lips is in that movie. Michael Ray Bowers in that movie. Yeah, we actually emailed him too, like a couple months ago, to see if he'd be involved with a project of ours. Uh, but during was all the SAG stuff. He couldn't come out and do yeah, like he's, voiceover he's, roles and stuff. But we yeah, tried for him. Yeah, if you ever go SAG someday, um, you know, you should yeah, oh, yeah. try to get him. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure. sure he'd be down. He's such a nice guy. Um, He was supposed to be the first interview I was ever going to have, like full, full, you know, whatever. And unfortunately, he uh, couldn't make it like he had to. Uh, he had a bailout, and then we never got to reschedule, which kind of sucks. And now, you know, now I do this show, which is a little bit different than my live um audio, because when I first started this podcast, it was on Blog Talk Radio when it was basically free, you know, and stuff. And then on now it costs like forty bucks just for an hour. You know? Oh wow, yeah. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> like Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, no, I'm not gonna I'm not paying forty bucks a month for for that again. But thankfully they don't you know, now that I haven't used it in a while, they haven't gotten rid of my stuff, you know, or whatever, my old episodes and everything. So I'm bringing those back and putting them up on like throwback Thursdays where people can hear the old Interviews because I did interview somebody from Salute Your Shorts. So, um, now I mean, were you a Nickelodeon kid? Did you grow up watching that kind of stuff? Um, not too often. Um, I more was for the Cartoon Network when I was growing up, but I'd still go back and forth from both just depending on what was on uh, the channels. Um, and then I grew up 
I was born in 2000, so I was just getting into, like, the early 2000s and, like, reruns of 90s stuff. But even my parents would mostly show me the old cartoons versus, like, newer stuff I'd watch. So, like, I'd put in, like, He-Mans to watch. Um, I like Gargoyles a lot. Um, and then around maybe, like, 13, 14, I was at a friend's house. And he showed me, like, South Park. And yeah. that started a whole nother, like, uh, a whole another rabbit stuff. hole. Because then oh, that's yeah. when I found out about Adult Swim after Cartoon Network also. And that just opened up a whole nother doorway also at that age. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, well, you and I, like, because, yeah, I was born in 82. So we're a little bit of a different generation gap there. But uh, not too bad. But, like, you know, um, the thing that I, I was, like, thinking about when you were, you were sharing that stuff is that um, uh, I, you know, growing up with i grew up with like nickelodeon so i grew up with like are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps and and stuff like that and you grew up with you know um like nickelodeon i think at that time was a completely different thing oh yeah, way know, way different yeah but i still was like i ha i own all the goosebumps now but i watched those like my mom would copy them on uh the vhs like you still have copy VHS off the tv when you were you were a kid I I did, yeah. My parents did. Um, I I collect VHS now myself. I've been I collect like all type. I collect horror VHS, um, obscure kids shows that okay, like are no no I didn't no one knows what they are. I'm um, a bunch of other stuff, but yeah, I own like four or five VCRs, and I yeah, mostly I... just use one for everything. And that's how I transfer my VHS camcorder footage over. Also. Yeah, I think I'm closer to your parents' age than I am your age. So, like, uh, I, uh, you know, if I had a kid that was, you know, was born in that around that time, I would have probably had the the V. Well, I don't know. I I kind of stopped doing VHS once DVD rolled around. But I love that you said earlier that you would want they would introduce you by showing you the the making of, and you could see how they put Freddy's face on or something, you know, or whatever, because that's a whole new editing level you know that is completely different than the way i grew up the way i grew up you if you were scared you know tough shit because there was nothing to show you you know that it's fake it you know nowadays because of the you know technology it's kind of cool you know we can show people that yeah and it, and it helped a lot too like my mom as a kid her parents let her watch whatever they wanted to like from the video store they could get any horror films you know they didn't care either um and then like same for like my dad also so like even growing up they were just like uh even like the music i listened to really was like uh, like 80s and 90s style music a couple 70s and 60s so i even still listen to like the oldies music mm -hmm. in a sense but i mean everything growing up like even like my dad's side they would celebrate Halloween every year and go all out in the yard. And we still do that now. Um, so both sides of the family came together, basically, and both formed into me. And it's like, even as like a kid, I stopped trick-or-treating when I was like four years old. And I started scaring people at the house instead of going trick-or-treating. Um, and I still do that to this day. Um, so it's just always been involved in my life, Halloween and horror. And that's awesome, though. So yeah, so Halloween's a big, big time, and uh, 
I mean, obviously, you're you're too old to be trick or treating, but you're uh, not too old to still enjoy. You know, do you pass out candy to kids? My uh, when we we have like our little setup in our yard, like a giant uh, setup. I make we make a lot of the stuff. Uh, we have some Star bought stuff. We brought animatronics on Halloween night. But if you get to the end of the driveway, my mom has the candy, and then me and my dad are just scaring the kids all night. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we've done that for since I was since my dad was in high school. Him, his parents used to do it, and then every we just keep doing been doing it nonstop. So like age four to now, I've just been scaring kids nonstop, and probably will forever. I don't know. I. I mean, as much as I like, I'm into horror because I, I mean, I do podcasts on horror. I love horror. I watch horror all the time. But Halloween, I guess, because I'm so used to horror all year round and Halloween all year round, like Halloween itself, when it comes around, just doesn't doesn't do as much for me as I would hope it would. You know, like it just kind of like, eh, you know, and I need to get back into that Halloween spirit. Yeah, it's we usually set up the yard. In like August, what? Or, so you do yeah. like two years, uh, two months ahead? Yeah, we set up everything really two months ahead, and then I always bring out new stuff, and even like regular stuff, we leave up all year round inside. Like I have three animatronics up in my room that just stay up all year round. Like everything around me is all horror, and like screen used masks from past MMH films I have lined up everywhere, and things like that. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously, MMH comes from your initials and everything. What uh, what prompted you to pick that as your production company name? Um, I'm not fully sure. At the when we did our first short apples, um, we used Applebrook as like the town it's from, and then we've used Applebrook as like the main town in like most of our films, like how Stephen King has his town and like uh. Troma has the Tromaville. I have Echo a lot Lake, of the films. So yeah, a lot I of know. ours is just Applebrook. Um, so we got like Applebrook, like T-shirts for the town, things like that in nature. But though going through figuring out like the company name is going to be something using apples, or I wanted to do something with um ravens, um as like the company name, like uh raven, like something with apple or raven. But then just MMH rolled off the tongue saying Matthew Mark Hunter. Um, it just was easier to do MMH Productions. And then we did the motto with uh, Bloody Horror with an 80s twist is the motto. Just because I like the 80s parts just brings weird stuff to life or the way we do kills all practical. Um, and then the uh, Bloody Horror is just because a lot of the films are just nonstop blood here and there. So you so you love practical effects, like when you watch a movie. You yeah, it, it. Yeah, like even newer stuff, like if people have CGI monsters, I'd rather them actually construct a monster, practical suits, puppetry, like how they used to do it than just a CGI monster. Because it's not even, it's not as scary. And like when people do like the practical blood effects in film, and then when they shoot the blood, it's like the background's not bloody, the actors aren't bloody. It just takes it out of it, and I'd rather see them just blow a tube of blood versus some fake effect on the screen that mm -hmm. takes... It's just... It seems like an easier way out, and I'd rather just have them put more work into like nonstop effects. We've done for like visual effects, we've done people like disappearing. Um, we did a head, uh, we blew up someone's head in visual effects. 
uh, for one project. And then uh, it's like small stuff, but a lot of the stuff with like the blood, we did it as a gag on one film or was really obviously fake thing mm. um, just to mess around as a joke. But majority of all the stuff, it's all practical blood and tubes are everyone's holding a tube blowing into it. Um, we hook things up to people's necks and blow it out, things like that. So we just keep doing practical for everything we do. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, that's great because, uh, you know, I feel like it's sort of a dying art form, you know, in a way, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like so many people are just like, it's so much easier to just put, you know, put this in post and, and do that when it actually sometimes can cost more money, especially in Hollywood. They're paying all these visual effects people when they could just do it practically for like cheaper. Yeah. I mean, I get some parts nowadays with the technology, like monster wise, but even then, like I watched the last voyage of the Dementor and they had an actor play the vampire for like different scenes, which was actual monster. And then like harder stuff, they would digitally add stuff in like that kind of stuff works. Um, but if you're doing like a full digital monster, then it just looks like Pumpkinhead. Like I think it's number three when he breaks through the glass and it's obviously a shitty computer. I mean, it's just comedy horror at that point because it would just looks so bad when they did that scene. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think it depends on how well. Yeah. And especially back when they were trying to do it, like you said, like Pumpkinhead three where they're they were that was the beginning of them going, okay, is this going to work? And then it doesn't really work now because everything's in HD and you can see everything better and clearer. And you're like, oh, that looks, looks terrible. You know, that was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, which, I don't know. I mean, then you look at movies like, um, I don't know, Van Helsing or whatever, where they have like the big monsters and stuff like that. And it looked okay. I don't, like, I remember going to it in the theater going I didn't see any problems you know it's like oh that looks terrible that's so, what people that's what people say for like the thing and then the thing prequel people always talk about too is the things the practical and then the uh, thing too which is the prequel they went more visual on stuff and that's like a big one that people always talk about and I haven't seen the prequel yet I've only seen the main thing the uh, main so I still thing. have it to see what people are talking about. Uh, yeah, I uh, I have not seen the prequel either. Um, and it's not because I don't want to. It just hasn't hasn't been something I just like sought out, you know. And if I do like a review of it, I probably will. But uh, I have reviewed the thing I think twice, you know, already. And I actually I love the thing, the original John Carpenter's the thing. Um. I think uh, I haven't I haven't even seen the uh, the original original the the thing from another world or whatever it was I think that's what it's called you know um, so were you are were you also into like the fifties style movies or anything or just eighties um I like majority is always eighties and then after eighties it's the nineties and seventies horror um sixties there's a few gems out there I haven't seen too many sixties and then we go 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s. Um, like, I have the complete Universal Monster DVD set of all of them. I haven't watched most of them. Um, and then, I mean, sometimes I'm not 
I haven't watched many of them at all. Like I own a lot of them on DVD and VHS, mostly VHS. And then I have a few on DVD, but time wise and doing everything else I'm going on, I haven't time to watch a lot of the older, older ones. And then like silent era ones, I really can't get into overall. Like then, not even like Nosferatu or anything like I, that. I've seen Nosferatu. Um, I own that one, but I haven't like, I watched like a long, long time ago. I haven't revisited it in a while, but really it's, I haven't seen too, too many of them fully. I think there's a new Nosferatu coming out or something. I think William Defoe is going to be in it. Yeah, that's what I heard. So I think, I don't know. That, it's weird. Like the, um, they come and go, but like the, the Universal Monster movies, like they'll be gone for a little bit and then they'll be rebooted and then they'll, they won't work or something. Like, um, <clears throat> um, what is it? Uh, Tom Cruise tried to do that, right? Like he tried to bring back the mummy. And I was like, of all the Universal Monster movies, the mummy is not the right one to, to start with, you know, because, you know, just start with Dracula. You know what I mean? Um, but and then have freaking uh it would have been so cool if they had had uh Tom Cruise as Van Helsing. Right? No. And then he like each movie, each monster movie, he goes after the next monster and stuff like that. That's what I would have done. You know, because you know, he's an action star and, and Van Helsing is an action character, you know. Uh though he's very short, apparently. Like, I don't know how short, but like five seven or something, which is short for a action star, <laughs> you know, taller than me, but still, you know, um, how tall are you, by the way? I, I see you in the movies, but, you know, can't um, I'm around five, nine, five, mm -hmm. nine and a half. So it's normal height, really not too, too tall or short. I guess I an get, average I can get up to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you can reach higher than somebody who's shorter than you. you know? <laughs> like, yeah, my girl, my girlfriend's five foot, so I have a, a little bit of a reach on things. Yeah, you can. Oh, I, can you give me that up there? Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, um, and you'll know when it rains first. Yeah. You know, um, that was a bad joke, but <laughs> get ready for more of those. Um, so what's your uh, what's your like favorite movie? Um. Horror film wise, I well, it doesn't go... have to be a horror film. Either, I'm gonna go but... like I'm gonna go because there's like oh uh, horror. I'd either say Killer Class of Space, uh, The Willies, or Puppet Master vs. Demonic Toys. Nice. And then like non horror wise, I really enjoy watching The Graduate, um, Shrek really? Two, and then Nightmare Before Christmas is a big one also. So yeah, uh, the... uh, why is uh why is the um. Uh, the first one. Uh, my brain is just the graduate. The graduate. Why is the graduate your in in college? My first two years, it was mostly just watching films, which is why I hated going to college for film. But out of all the films they had us watch, that was the only one that I really like, really was into, and not fall asleep watching. Was um, it like the quirkiness of it, or I think that, and then um, Cybernet Garfunkel music also was awesome add into that um and then when uh after we talk about all the little uh, things that went wrong that actually worked out like the end scene and then just overall film idea i just like some of the shots they had in the film also and just entertaining to watch 
And then I also like State Fair, uh, which is like probably one of the oldest films that I actually like uh, watching. The uh, is that a musical? It sounds like a musical. Yeah, it's a nineteen forty five State Fair. Nice. It's I watched that one a lot with my great grandma, and then that one's just one of my top favorite films overall too. And she was into like musicals and stuff like that, like 40s. musicals, yeah, for that, and then Shirley Temple. So I watched that a lot with her growing up, and I own all those Shirley Temples now. Uh, musicals I watched with her, and then like my mom and my other grandma was all into musicals. So like I see a bunch of musicals every year. Um, I've had musical. I was in musical theater in high school. Um, I did four theater productions, and I've had some other theater. Uh, students and majors come on to the project as well for different projects. Have we you done a musical add, yet? We were going to add it into uh, Nightmares Unleashed. We even wrote like um, we wrote lyrics out for it, but time-wise and how things played out, we just scrapped all the musical numbers in the horror project and just left it dancing and a few dialogue. But that was the only time we really got into like making a musical. And, like, when we did Freakenstein, I mean, that thing's just filled with a bunch of, like, rock music in the background that uh, YouTube's, like, really strict on. But we don't care about the monetization. You know, I don't care about being paid because I'm not being paid anyway. It was just a way to include cool music into the film. So, like, a lot of the YouTube films, we have music that we don't own the rights to. But, again, we're not making money on anything. You know, it's just to get it out there and people to see it. So like Frankenstein has a lot of music. If we we I if I ever remade that one, um, I would definitely have different actors sing the songs, um, over like a karaoke track for to make it like a rock musical in a sense. Um, but like that'd be like the closest I ever get to it time wise. That's awesome though. That's I I just I love when people branch out to do like musicals when they don't normally would do musicals and for something like you said a movie Frankenstein that just sounds like a perfect thing for like a musical like a rock opera to have oh you know? yeah yeah uh it's just our it's like a our weird version of Frankenstein so we called it Frankenstein and then we also did Dragula uh, which is a play on Dracula but every time someone takes his drugs they turn into vampires and we just remade that one the uh, past year there's um, also going to be recently. Dracula, you know, uh. you know, like there's just so many different cool, like little, and, and I was just, I don't know if you saw my post the other day, but like there's so many Frankenstein movies coming out this year and stuff too, like being made this year. And I'm just like, this is just insane. Like, uh, I mean, that's great. You know, like Maggie Gyllenhaal is doing one. Gilmore, uh, Gilmore del Toro is doing one, you know, like all these, uh, and then they just had that Lisa Frankenstein, which I've heard mixed things on. You know, some people enjoyed it, some people didn't. So like, Frankenstein's a big thing now. I don't know. Like, maybe all these, maybe it's just like a, a, a you know, kind of a thing. And then independent filmmakers can go and sort of profit off of that too. You know, that was like the big thing when they did um, Cocaine Bear. How everyone came up the woodwork making their own cocaine or like a drug soft film. Even we did that one with stoner snakes. We did it also uh, with snakes getting snakes getting high. 
in the film and like we even have like a scene where they're like smoking out of a hookah and then like chasing their kid around and then like we took a cool behind the scene photo with the actors kids young kids like pretending to smoke out of the hookah with the snakes too which is a little fun thing but yeah we got on that bandwagon bandwagon for stoner snakes but that's probably like my third or fourth snake film anyway and again it's just puppeteering fake snakes and uh, are no they visual talking effects snakes? snakes. Yeah, they, everything. Every time something comes to life in the films, it usually will end up talking. Someone will voice something. All our croutons talk. The uh, s'mores talk. Air fryer is going to talk. Blend like all the animate objects come to life usually talk. My pet monster better freaking talk. No, he talks. Yeah, both of them do because we use two pet monsters. I did the voice of my pet monster when I did like I think I did like my pet monsters first drug deal. It was terrible. Terrible. Once again, these are all awful. And uh, I, you know, I had him talking and it was sort of like how you do it, where you will be in the movie and then you'd like cut to like, you know, uh, say my pet monster or whatever. And then you'd have him talk. Then you come back and, you know, but me, I, I didn't know how to do like anything special. So I would just speak off camera and, you know, talk for, my pet monster instead of like actually overlaying audio, you know, or having somebody else voice, whatever, because I was just, just wanted to make shit. I was bored. And you know, that's why I did. Is that a lot of what you also do is like, do you like to do movies where you're just, a lot of it is just you and puppets and stuff. We've, I've done a lot of things um, where it's just me and then I set the camera on a tripod, do my scenes, act. Um, one time I played four characters, one film, and it was like hard to tell it was all me because we're all wearing masks. But I've worn different wigs in films, uh, fake uh, facial pieces. Um, again, I wear a wig and a dress and some stuff. Uh, just show like the back of me in scenes. Like I think the last time I did wearing a dress and a wig, I actually shaved my face fully also. Um, after I did all my other scenes because I had a full beard, so I had to make sure I got all my stuff done before showing the other thing. Yeah, um, I, I think if you had a mask and then like a beard and you're playing a girl, you know, that might not work. <laughs> yeah, and then that's why we just showed like the side of the face for the girl so we could still see like the facial features. And then like voicing things, I voiced a lot of the things that have come to life, but I also like getting other people involved. And then when coronavirus hit, we were still filming horror films. But I also did a children's TV show for YouTube. And it was like uh, learning, uh, reading a book, doing arts and crafts. And I would talk to uh, different puppets on the show that were doing stuff. And I had a, I even voiced the uh, voice of the Raven. And I would just change my voice. So every time he showed his close-up, I would do the Raven's voice. And when we cut back to both of us, I would talk and then insert the Raven's voices I would do after into the film too. So I was able to alter my voice for that scene. What and like just do, for uh, do... Oh, sorry. Sorry. And then like just for fun, I I try we had like I mostly had kids voice the other puppets. And then I try to replicate all the puppets' voices on the show best I could myself. But for sure the Raven is like the easiest one I could do. Um because I've done it I think another time in a project, but I can just switch on and off from that voice easily. And then like other stuff, I just like change my pitch and things to record. So uh, what made you do the kids TV show? 
Um, I always wanted to do one. Um, when we first did the first episode, we had a lot of bad feedback because parents online who saw it checked out the IMDb and saw only the horror films, and they thought that I would convert all their kids into horror. And without before they even watched an episode, and there's not any kind of horror, Halloween, uh, no horror at all involved in the projects. It's all G-rated fun. And then we also did a PG show where it's like scarier stories. And we had like scarier puppets. So like the main show was a owl, a cat, um, like a turtle. We had a dog and uh, the raven who appeared here and there. And then for the scarier show, it was the raven, a bat, a possum, and a spider, a tarantula we did. But it was just a fun way. I just always wanted to do it because I also have always felt as a kid at heart. Um, I've always watched cartoons and I still watch cartoons today. Um, and it was all educational uh, projects also. But it was just a fun thing to do. I've been waiting to do. And we did like a couple. We did a lot of episodes during that time. Um, we have like 10 episodes already completed. I just haven't been able to edit any of them. And they've been saved for like a year or two already on my hard drive. I just have to, I try to find an editor who would do it, at least the hard parts, which is just taking up the audio with the book reading. Um, but everything else came at me. So I just pushed that aside. But because it wasn't huge feedback, it was more of a thing to do for my own fun and enjoyment. Uh, but we do have a lot of those saved. And like, we did like saying please and thank you. Uh, dealing with the death of a family member or pet, uh, how to handle divorce between two people, um, a bunch of high end. Um, we did like having two dads and two moms. Uh, we did like a Hanukkah special Christmas um, and just a bunch of different other stuff overall. So, okay. So, um, you know, this is like Sesame Street, like an independent Sesame Street, basically. It, it, it very cheap one, but yeah, it was. You know, it was just fun to do, and I enjoyed doing like the voiceover, the puppets, and stuff. And then, like for like some of the specials, we had kids come on to the show, like talking to the puppets, and just having fun with it, also, which was always fun. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I, I loved um, when I when I grew up. I ended up loving Andy Kaufman. And he was big on that. Like, he loved children's stuff, you know, or whatever, had children's specials. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, Jim Carrey played him in the movie Man on the Moon. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah uh, but he, the, the real guy, loved that stuff because, you know, he also felt like he was a kid at heart. Um, I am, but like, I'm working on a, uh, a feature called Scream Queen Campfire that's basically Are You Afraid of the Dark for Adults, you know? Because, my idea is like I'm an adult now. Um, I, I'll eventually do kids, you know, more teenager and or kids stuff, but you know, later in life. But right now, you know, adults, it's just easier, you know, since I am one, it's just easier to kind of, I mean, kids today are completely different than you know what I grew up on. Yeah, and what do you then, you grew up on? Oh yeah, and it was even funner because. When people were complaining about the kids stuff, all the voices were really most of the voices of the puppets were children and the same children were in my horror films that have died and things also. There was a big roundabout circle anyway that 
was between that they probably didn't even realize either that most of the voices of the puppets have been actors or kids that have been in my horror films that have died and things like that. So there's just a big other thing. We're getting everyone back together for a different type of project. And then that even helped other actors who came on set to be like a different part of their demo reel so they can show that done horror and non-horror also because mm. horror and kids are total opposite spectrum to have on a resume, which is another great thing for me that I'm able to, I can bounce off to do any genre really, if I really wanted to. Um, but I would always stick to horror kids content. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, and, and, you know, for indie films, you can basically do whatever, if you have like the capacity to do it, you know, you could do a Western if you wanted to, you just have to find, areas that look like it's made in the west and you have to you know do a lot of work with that but like you can do it like it's it's not you know impossible for independent films yeah i would say stigma independence way easier than like hollywood stuff because you still gotta get restrictions and guidelines especially with like the rating system you gotta because like the rating system back in the day Horror films were rated PG and there ain't no damn way there'd be up if you PG today with some of the stuff they had in the horror films, but now like a PG film back in like the eighties would be R rated today. Um, well, and then uh, even with Jaws, Jaws would be PG 13 probably like, uh, you know, even though it was PG, but like even a lot of the companies are trying to make their horror films more PG 13 than R rated and like yeah. not show the kills and stuff just so they can get more attention in the theaters. When you got like a, like for like five nights at Freddy's, they would have the kills, but they wouldn't show anything. It would just be like their legs moving where like I wanted to see the cupcake eat this guy's face and like blood splatter. And they never even showed any of that, which was like the biggest letdown for that because it could have been a sweet R-rated monster horror film. I'm surprised they didn't shoot it R-rated and then just cut it down to PG-13. That way they could have it on like a DVD for uh, R-rated, you know, yeah, like a two cut type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess it costs more money to to show it to an, the MPA twice, you know, or whatever. But like, you could still do an unrated, you know, and show yeah. whatever you want. And maybe there is a cut of Five Nights at Freddy's that's unrated. I don't know, but I never, I never watched it. I didn't know anything about the game. I, I, I don't have any. I unless I'm doing a review of it, I have no interest. In you know and even then i probably wouldn't have interest in i'll just watch it though you know um and review it um but uh so uh, do you get a lot of reviews for your uh your horror films um not really we've had like maybe like one or two like write stuff articles about things but over and then like i think the one that we had people like re-up like someone had it as like a um horror host kind of idea and they showed like our danny hall the killer crab elf um but not too many people really just review the films Uh, i'm sure because there's a lot too many but even for like reviewing i'd like to give them some of our like actual movies on dvd and like uh, film festival wise and on streaming to review more than the youtube stuff that everyone can see um, but we are probably going to release one of the big films to YouTube, actually, for Easter, one of our, our Easter Massacre film that was like 
a huge thing festival wise and is on still on streaming but we're probably just going to upload it to youtube now just to see if we can get more eyes on higher horror content also yeah i mean youtube is such an interesting thing you know like the fact that when i when i i remember when it first started coming out and i started uploading things to youtube i didn't expect it to be what it is it's become so much bigger you know or whatever then and you're able to do you're able to get your eyes uh your your movies like have eyes on it from like everywhere in the world you know like and no pe people don't realize that like we're like somebody from korea could be watching your movie you know or something you know what i mean and and they might not i i don't know if they'd understand it if there's subtitles somewhere or whatever but the fact that they could do it you know they can watch it is kind of cool you know that's out there <laughs> so uh anyway let's uh let's move on to uh let's talk about air uh air fryer slaughter which is having an indiegogo right now you know um our but... oh, go ahead i was gonna say tell us a little bit more about it um, Air Fryer Slaughter was an idea that uh, Matt Skinner posted a thing like saying if any filmmaker makes Air Fryer Slaughter, um, he wants to be the voice. If he can be the voice of the Air Fryer, he'll promote the hell out of it, and then he'll also get um, the the name of the director tattooed on his ass. Also, um, and then I just construct like a really simple Air Fryer joking poster because we brought so many other things to life. Um, but now we're getting ready to film it. We hit the our initial goal in like less than a week, and like there's still twenty plus days on the Indiegogo, and we're at forty three hundred so far. And then it's gonna be like an air fryer going to like different homes and houses and stuff that he gets picked up by, and the air fryer can scoot himself. He can hold objects like Veggie Tail style to just float by him. Veggie tails. Um, I love veggie tails. He's got uh, teeth, glowing red eyes. Um, he'll have a transformation scene, and because we're shooting on camera, I had to make like four different versions of the air fryer, so like we actually can see at least once him transforming and like showing the teeth grow onto him, the teeth retracting back in to hide it better. Um, so that whole thing was a. Uh, practical effects uh craziness that i had a constructing time um and we have a lot of like uh great local talent who've been in past films before with us um and then we even have a lot of uh indie talent also involved so far with the project which were great to have like we have just a flux involved uh, morgan uh, malam who used to be morgan thompson we have mel heflin um, angel bradford lloyd kaufman's coming back um, so we just have a huge cast so far. For Heather Harlow and uh, yeah, and there's a big joke about the 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 list of uh, people that uh, that uh, Matt Skinner promoted, and you've got I think almost all of them from the list. And we have uh, nine out of ten, um, but who knows who will be announced this week? Also, just to say. Um, because we're doing a lot of cast announcements all week, and then we save like a bigger one for like Saturday, Friday, Saturday. 
So it might be the 10th person, but people just have to wait and see if we have all 10 of the big names Matt Skinner wanted. Well, by the time this is out there, if if it is that, if it is Friday, Saturday, it'll already be announced by them. But, oh, it, well, we know. got all 10 from his list. Nice. We, we, we managed to get all 10 of uh, all 10 That's names. That's good. Jamie, Jamie, because I, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of hers. So it's awesome that you guys got her. Got, yeah. uh, um, and Jamie Morgan, you got Jeff Kirkendall coming on board. I mean, to me, that that right there, those that's talent in in those group, and uh, and I love it because like these are the uh, you know people kind of say stuff about people working with these people all the time, but like that's because they're really good, you know. To me, like I think they're 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 the names, you know. Angel Bradford, I worked with her. And I absolutely adore her, you know, and we're going to con- continue working together, you know? Yeah, that's that was a big um, Matt Skinner thing to get um, all the, he was, we were working together all the names and he did a lot of the work to get them all. Um, so I'm glad for that. And then uh, I'm just working on everyone who in my area to come on board, which is a lot of returning MMH names involved with the project, which is going to be fun to do. So is this going to be like a big MMH like uh universe movie? Um in a sense, yeah, I know Matt Skinner saying it's like the Avengers of horror <laughs> uh, with how many um indie people we have involved. Um that's also because of uh Matt with all the sharing and promoting he does for other people's films. It's oh, like yeah. uh, we able to get everyone in because all the help he's done, now they're helping us create this film also, which is a great connections thing where it's, it seems it's easier to get connections and uh, people to come together that way than people like in the Cleveland film scene area uh, in terms of everyone helping each other out. Like more people have shared outside the area than people in my own area. So it's great to have that. You'll find out that that happens a lot because the indie horror community itself is so big and it reaches so far. But like my hometown in virginia just they don't like they wouldn't know what this horror stuff really like i you know they might know what the avengers are if i said the avengers but they wouldn't know what you know this this would be you know what i mean that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so it's funny to like see that like the person who you have never met in your life but you just know on facebook is going to give you more money than like the person down the street that has seen you do all this stuff for years. Yeah, it's I like having even just people sharing it, more people share it outside our area than people in the area, which is still shocking, but it is what it is. Well, especially if you're using local spots and stuff like you said, you you shot stuff at different places in town and the bowling alley and whatnot when you weren't supposed to, but you did it anyway, which is kind of cool. That's very gorilla. Um I'm glad that they were cool about it. They could have been like really pissed off, but they uh, they shared your thing, so I'm guessing they liked it. I'm guessing, yeah. I mean, I think we've we've only gotten in trouble once for what we did, and even after we got in trouble that one time, we still kept going on making and filming and anywhere we wanted. We filmed at parks without. We just filmed in a bunch of things that we weren't supposed to film in, but we just didn't care. Mm. Um, and I still. If I want to film a movie somewhere, I'll just get me and one other person and I'll just film some shit just to have it. 
in like mm -hmm. a random spot. Like I still don't care. Like the main films, of course, I get location release forums for, you know, have them sign for the property using it. But if it's like a fun random project for like a YouTube thing, I'll film wherever I want. And I really don't, you know, it doesn't bother me. If someone says get off to my pro it's, if it's like, hey, you can't be filming here, then I'll leave. But I'll have the shot already by the time they find out. So it is what it is. And I yeah, and I'm not making any money on it, so I really don't care either. Yeah, it's not like you're you're making money and you're like selling it and you're, you know, saying, oh, this is, you know, like you're selling that place or whatever, you know, and it's not your place to kind of do that. But uh, it's you're just making fucking movies, you know. You're yeah, we're just out there shooting. having fun. And then I know a lot of people are like, think like our stuff's more going for quality. Or I mean, more quantity over quality, and while it's somewhat, in a sense, it's just more. I like having fun with filmmaking, and if I'm only doing, uh, like super high quality, budget stuff, and then like more time constraining stuff, it's not as fun as me just coming up with a random idea, filming it for fun and shooting it. You know, having a blast, and it's more of a relaxed type of set, not as stressful. I mean, I think it's not going to be like a Steven Spielberg film or something crazy here. It's just a random fun thing I want to do to like, it's a cool way to like let off like the stress seam of the big projects. I can just film some random thing and just be happy that I made something for fun and quality is, is something good, but I have a large amount of quantity just because also every weekend we'd shoot something back in the day. Um, yeah today, yeah i'll just film stuff if i want to film it it doesn't it doesn't bother me it's like 240 something movies or something like that yeah, on it's, it's around that like over 230 yeah that's insane but like you know you look at it, it's mostly shorts right so it's not yeah, like it, yeah it's mostly shorts and like a lot of the features that we've done have been a lot of like anthology features so it's still like in way of shorts um it's just for me, it's easier doing features as anthologies because I don't have to have everyone coming back multiple dates. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff is like one shoot date for each uh, story. It's like if it's like an anthology of like five shorts, each short's only a one day shoot. So it just works easier that way. And then like a wraparound scene is another shoot date instead of multiple shoots, multiple days for stuff. But we've done full like regular features in the past too, though. But not as many as like anthologies and shorts. So your anthologies include the puppets, like as you know, the wraparound. Um, for we did um like a bed bug. We did bed bugs, and one of the stories had puppets in it. Um, but usually the wraparounds are like bed bugs wrap around or kids going trick or treating, and every house they stop out the every house they stop at they hear a story. Um, our girls make the best killers. We had a guy tied up and the girl was telling them horror stories, but each story involved like a female lead killer. Mm -hmm. um, and then like when we had a uh, little muffin, it was two trolls that kidnapped a kid and the troll and kid are going back and forth telling stories. And each story involves lead of kid actors, either kid actors fighting the villains or kid actors as the villains. It just depends on if the trolls told a story or if the kid was telling the story also. Um, so that's a... And then like Poe stories is the same way. People were passing along a Edgar Allan Poe book. And they would each time they got to their part of the story. 
that was the one that we made the story about. But the people who were telling the story, they were the lead in their story. So like the guy who's like about to read the Raven, he put himself into the Raven story. And that's how it worked for all of them for that way. That's pretty cool. You know, um, I don't think it, I don't know if I've seen that like done like that or anything, you know, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, So. we, we were we were going to do it a different way. But then after we shot like the main scene, I said, we'll just put all the lead actors who read who picked their story and we'll just put them into the film as the lead actor. And then when the story ends, they come back and it's still them again. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I love that you're just constantly making junk. Like you said uh, quantity, but like your quantity is just fun and silly. There are some filmmakers who do do quantity, but their movies are just boring. You know, like it's just like, let's put let's make 10 movies a year and then the movies are just dreadfully boring. You know, there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of whatever, but at least your movies like. They're fun and silly and goofy, but they're they're like I said, they're fun, you know. Yeah, we we try to get into like the action faster than anything because I really it's harder to watch an indie film and then like the first thirty minutes are just people talking, introducing characters. Where like for Air Fryer, for an example, the film's like around sixty minutes, and within that sixty minutes, there's like thirteen kills that happen. But we're probably gonna extend it to like seventy five minutes. Um and even set even like fifteen kills in seventy five minutes, that's like a kill every ten minutes or so, or even less really. So it's really Yeah. just making things happen. And then another big thing about us is in probably 90% of the projects, the villains, they usually never like us. There's usually never a, uh, a final girl, um, a lead actor winning. It's usually the monster wins, the killer wins, or like the inanimate object will win also. I'm more about
Yeah, very occasionally we'll have the hero win, but even then people don't expect it sometimes when they're watching like MMH stuff. So we try to do a little twist and turn out of the blue sometimes just to keep people like, oh, okay, that's a little bit different. So you, no, no one knows really when when you're watching it, if the guy's gonna, if the villain's gonna win or the good people will win. We keep it that way also. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything else like any other projects you want to promote? Um, besides the air fryer that's on Indiegogo right now, uh, we're in post production on Killer Poop Two, Amityville Poo, um, and in Nightmares Unleashed, which is like my um dream baby project we worked on. Um, and then we're also going to be start filming Nightmares Unleashed Two and Killer Poop Three this summer as well. Um, so it's just a lot going on, but for sure, if you like look up Nightmares Unleashed on YouTube, you'll find a bunch of pre-production stuff we did for the feature. It's based on a short film back in 2018, which you can watch also on YouTube. Um, that one's just a big monster, practical effects monsters all around type of film, which is again like my passion project baby. Um, MMA Productions on YouTube. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook. And then Matthew and Ophelia's Wonderful World are Fun is the name of our kids show on YouTube also. That's awesome. So and you've got you've got so much going on. It just it seems like you're just constantly working, which is great because you know, uh some people like me, I, I just I just took like two years off, you know, and it wasn't planned. That wasn't like, you know, like something I mm -hmm. wanted to do. It's just I just I, I think I was just so burnt out from things anyway, but I'm like, I got to get back into it, you know, so yeah, I, I love I, hearing this. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to do like a at least a month or two off after a project. And then next thing I know, I'm doing another random short like two weeks later. So I said, I, I guess it's just hard for me to not do stuff, really. Yeah, you Even just can't I hate sit being, on your butt, you know, I hate being so like overwhelmed with hap stuff happening, but. I'm still going to get the stuff done eventually. It just might take some extra time, but things are always coming up around here and there. Well, that's great, man. Like you and there's another director out there named James Balsamo. I don't know if you know him, but he's constantly making stuff. I just interviewed him again. Uh, like it's just fun to just see these, everybody just constantly making movies because it does inspire people to go out and, pick up a camera and just fucking start shooting you know stuff so yeah, i mean yeah that's the easiest thing you can even use like, like nowadays you can just pull up your phone and film some stuff really i mean it's just so easy just to do some stuff for fun yeah i mean nobody has real excuses except if like they just want to you know like i want to shoot on the red or something like that you know or yeah and then people who just want to learn too you don't got to go to school for it with like how many tutorials and videos are on youtube you really don't even got to go to school for film anymore unless you want to get connections and stuff. Whereas, like me, I shouldn't have went to college because before college, I already made over 150 films. And I made more films outside of college than I made like four films in college for four years, really. And then I made like that's a that's a, a film a year. It was it, it was like even the first year of film school, I didn't make I didn't even touch the camera, which is a real joke that I shouldn't have went. When I already knew everything from, uh, I went to Cuyahoga Valley Career Center for two years in high school, and they basically taught me everything I knew and still know 
in two years than what I'd learned in four years. I think the only thing I really got involved in at college was using like a VR headset camera and then doing like a choose your own adventure film really like and then doing like visual effects class like everything else was just a waste of time for me to even go yeah is that like so did you so you made a choose your own adventure film yeah we, we did a choose your own adventure film called like haunted house and that's on youtube and you actually get to pick what my character does and there's like i think eight ways to die and like five ways to live and you just do a bunch of different combinations for it and then we That's also do so like cool. a, a 360 vr film on youtube where you actually have to look around the room to see where the monster's coming do both of them you need the vr for or is that no just, just the a, vr one just the vr uh, one. monster in the closet the uh haunted house you can just do it youtube wise it's like at the end it'll pop up like which one to pick and you just click which one and it goes to a unlisted video to watch what happens and it keeps going yeah there's like i think 10 different endings of it 10 or 12 different endings i did and each one's a different either kill or how to live type of thing that's so cool i've always thought about that because i've seen some people make like a choose your own adventure uh movie or whatever but like i always thought like i mean with with today with with uh dvds that you can have so you could just press you know right left you know on your uh remote and stuff like that and so there are so many different ways to sort of do stuff like the web oh yeah you know that that's kind of neat and different um and i'm i'm interested to see where the vr stuff goes because uh right now it's going to be really really fucking expensive to begin with because that's how technology always is then it'll get cheaper as other technology evolves and uh and so people will be av available to like put on that headset and feel like they're there you know doing everything you know yeah that one it's it's fun because you can just also just do it on your computer and just move the thing around looking and we kept it a lot more simple than other things where you're just like in a bed like a child's bed and you can't like you can only move your head left and right to look around in the bedroom and everything happens like forward at you, like the lights turn off, flicker on and off. But a lot of it's just mostly like left and right, and things come at you type of thing. Are and you, it's like it's like five minutes or less. Are you a fan of AI? Um, not in particular, no. Um, like poster wise, I won't use AI to make any movie posters. Uh, I usually do it in Photoshop, or my girlfriend will design it. Um, like writing the stories, I'm not. Like we did like a thing on AI where it's like it writes random stories, but we made it like comedy, like sex, goofy shit, really. But I wouldn't like have AI like voice roles. AI wouldn't write anything for me. I'm not going to use AI for posters. I'm just not a big. I think it's just taking away art and things from other people that know how to do it. I I agree. Um, I and especially writing. It's right now. It's at a very emphasis. Infancy phase where uh, I would not trust it with writing a script because it would, you know, it, it wouldn't necessarily know how to write a good one, you know? Yeah, and, I think, yeah, yeah, AI writing I mostly use for like eBay listings. It'll just say use AI with what you wrote. So I use it for that, like on eBay listings, but anything with film or anything, I'm not even going to touch it. I think isn't Facebook using AI stuff now? Like I saw something. I think yeah, I think there was something, but I don't even know what's going on because I don't even 
I don't really stay up to date with uh, AI or like meta or anything. You know, I'm just doing my own stuff and I'm still I know. doing practical instead of CGI. So I'm yeah. really not going to touch AI. Yeah. There. Well, I was like looking at uh, it'll say use AI to write your status or something. I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> I, I'm starting to get to this point where they just don't want us to do anything. You know, like I'm I'm having this theory that like, and it's might be a conspiracy theory. I don't know, whatever. But like, like the 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 world, the universe wants us to start using AI and everything, so that all we have to do is literally just sit on our ass all day at the computer and play video games or watch movies or whatever we're doing and be in these things, and then the uh robots just take over and do all the rest of it for us you know and i'm just getting tired of that because i'm like you know the point of me like before streaming existed my favorite part was going to the video store and picking up a fucking movie you know yeah i i I, yeah i didn't i could i didn't get to really grow up in that era sadly though i probably would have loved it with everything i do yeah like we we shot like at a late fee in dark side stores we actually shot at family video and then we shot there and they let us film there for free nice and then it was we went i was gonna go back because we're doing like a documentary for like the anniversary of because it's been like five six years and i just wanted to go to all the locations again and just record it and now it's a family it's a a family dollar store type of thing instead I still want to go in there because I know where everything we shot at just to see like how it looks now. But it's sad that the dollar store took over the family video store, which really sucked. But yeah. it sucks that they're dying because I'm still I'm I'm more into the digital media myself, too, because at least I'll have it on digital than just whenever it gets taken off streaming. Well, yeah. And but like I, I want to bring up this up because uh, I just saw an article um Funimation, I think is what it is. Funimation, something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah. they're going out of business. Like their streaming site is go- is going away and they're being replaced with the uh there's another uh streaming site already that's that's there and they're not allowing the uh people who have bought their stuff from Funimation, you know, they're uh who've already bought like their digital copies, they have bought them those won't work after it goes over to this other company and everything. And I'm like, that's just lame because that means like you as a person, this is why I always fight for physical media because you as a uh, filmmaker, right? Uh, You want everybody to be able to watch your movie whenever they want to watch it. Right? Like that's why you support DVDs and you tell people to go buy your DVDs and everything. If Somebody goes and buys the DV, you know, uh, um, uh, somebody has the buys it online and digital, then it gets taken. What happens when Amazon goes bankrupt one day? Like, I'm not gonna say it's now or or whatever, but like, eventually, all all businesses go belly up. Like, there's it's gonna be really difficult to say that Amazon's gonna be here forever, and yeah. all your files, all your movies, they're gonna go. You're gonna be gone. Yeah, we we haven't even gotten anything on Amazon yet. We have most. We have ten stuff on like Troma now, but even nice. like the YouTube stuff. Who knows when YouTube changes their terms again if they take down one of my videos? 
or like the 18 and older stuff goes away. At least I still have the copies and people can get them on DVD instead of YouTube. Like if YouTube ever takes anything down, at least I still have everything saved and digitalized. I can just put on DVDs also, which is another reason I keep making like I'll do like a combo pack DVD of like 10 deep, 10 uh, shorts on a DVD. And it's like, boom, there you go. There's 10 of the shorts. And then we were even going to do like a MMH um, box set thing of like four discs. And it's like uh, MMH years 2018 to 2019 all on DVD. Nice. And then like 2020 to 21 on a DVD and then 22 to 23 all on a DVD. You should, yeah. I mean, that's how you do it. And then, um, other than maybe things going out of print or something, you know, or but you're in control of that. Like you're making the DVDs, right? Yeah, I do all my DVD making and then like my own distribution. Uh, yeah. So like I, I, pr I make the DVDs uh, front and back side on like Photoshop. I put it on Avery. Print it out on. Um, legal size paper the long ones uh, we cut out have my mom cut them out we stick into the blank dvd cases i buy on amazon bunch of bulk then we have the disc uh, sticker labels we stick on each dvd i make um so they have their own specialized uh, disc label and then i box it up and i'll like take it to festivals or like uh conventions and i have a bunch of dvds of every film i made i can just sell them that way and that way also i'm going to deal with a different group of people making the DVDs. I have more control of how I want the mm -hmm. menus to look, bonus features. I don't got to give away any of that profit to other people mm -mm. who've made it. It's just all back into the MMH and mo more future movies it comes into. There you go. And so, yeah, there you're making these things, and and then if somebody asks, you know, you know, you get more people wanting them, then you keep making more, and it. It's just better than having everything on a paid, you know, paid for streaming thing like, you know, buying a movie on Amazon or on another site and then all of a sudden they go bankrupt then you're then you are, you know, then you won't have it anymore. And so having that physical copy is like the best thing because then like even if it gets scratched you could just buy a new one, you know? Like I just don't understand why people are uh you know acting the way they do about everything but nah you know like the streaming versus physical media is always going to be a always going to be a, a talk you know mm -hmm. but uh all right well i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and uh everybody go check out air fryer slaughter uh it looks so much fun um that cast is insane um and i just i just love the idea of inanimate objects coming to life and killing people i just think you know from like you know full moon stuff you know i mean like who ever thought a killer gingerbread cookie would become a big hit, <laughs> you know yeah um, full moon is really the goat and real inspiration for me bringing everything to life too i mean i've watched full moon since i was a child and that's still like a big reason i do dolls and puppets myself too you said, uh, was it uh, uh, Demonic Toys versus... Uh, Pup Master was like the first full moon film I watched, even though it's not technically full moon. Um, but it still introduced me to everything. 
Oh, the first the, the up... first puppet master, which was actually technically Empire, I guess, or so. I think I think, but like I know when I watched the first puppet master itself, it was a big eye opener, and then watching Stuart Gordon's dolls was another mm -hmm. big thing that was like, wow, that's like I know dolls is Empire, and that was like a big like holy crap, I want to I make love that come movie. to life. Yeah, that's one I... of my top tens easily. I don't think I own it on Blu-ray yet or anything. I gotta get that on Blu-ray. Um, they need to start like really updating everything to 4K now because, you know, I'm updating all my stuff. Even, uh, well, the uh, Troma hasn't because they just really started Blu-ray. Yeah, I know they just know? started the Chuck's Avenger 4K, but even then, they're still like not Hollywood style. You know, they they have to work their way up for that. It probably takes more time for them also. Also, I don't think it's gonna look like what a normal 4k from hollywood would look like because their blu-rays almost look like their dvds just they're in a blu-ray case which is fine with me because a lot of those movies i've got are like scratched and it's harder to scratch a a, a blu-ray you know or whatever so i'm okay with uh with getting them all updated at least at some point to uh to blu-ray and even maybe, you know, you said 4K for Toxic Avenger box set, so I might have to start getting back into that because the Toxic Avenger is one of those movies I used to watch when it was on, like, USA and everything as a kid. And I didn't watch Toxic Crusaders. I don't know if you know that. but Oh, yeah, I love – I have all the uh, figures from Toxic Avengers. I bought them all. But, yeah, like, I think it's, like, Air Fry is the third or fourth project we had Lloyd Kaufman in on the film, and then – Lloyd Coffin's coming back to being Pull Shark uh, Frenzy. He's the nice. voice of the Pull Shark Monster. So all you gotta do is get him to send you a voice, right, Clip? That, uh, you know. Yeah, for the for Air Fryer, he's sending in uh, video and audio. For Pull Shark, he's just voicing the Air Fryer, I mean, the, uh, the Pull Shark Monster. That's awesome. And then that's like his fourth or fifth stuff with us, because I just like keeping updated. And I gave him like a list of lines. Um, and then I can use like one or two lines for a different film if I need to also type of thing. Well, everybody should go check out uh, MMH Productions on YouTube. Um, uh, do you have another website? Um, we have a like a Wix site, but really everything's YouTube, um, Facebook, Instagram. And then you can check out my IMDb, Matthew Mark Hunter, if you want to see our uh, list of films. And then you can reach out to me on any of those if you're interested in seeing what we have on DVD that's not on YouTube. Um, I can send you a trailer to what it is. And then I have a lot of the DVDs on eBay to sell. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And good luck on this Indiegogo. I'm really excited for it. Thank you for having me on. It's great. Yeah, all right. Uh, and everybody, go check his stuff out. And until then, everybody, bye.